I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. (laughs) You can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome back, everybody, to the Important Nonsense Podcast, breaking down all the teams, team by team, for you, getting you prepped for the 2021 season. Once again, I am Neil Smith, co-owner of ImportantNonsense.com, here with Steve Bottom, co-owner of ImportantNonsense.com. Hmm, We're gonna convenient hear- that way. Like it. it really is. It, uh, we, have so many interesting, we have so many interesting job titles. This just streamlines it. Yeah. <laughs> back to the OG show, back to the basics, breaking down the Atlanta Falcons here for you today. <clears throat> Looking forward to it. And frankly, this is going to be, if you just came from right in from the Arizona Cardinal show, this is going to be a shorter show, folks. So <laughs> hope you don't, hope you weren't planning on this being your, uh, your entire drive to work, uh, like the Arizona Cardinals show probably was. Maybe listen to it twice. Yeah. Maybe go through it twice. Yeah. We would appreciate the extra clicks, frankly. So if you want to go ahead and do that, I'm not going to stop you. Uh, but as always, 12 team PPR, we'll be referencing the fantasy pros ECR as well as our own rankings. Check us out on Patreon importantnonsense.com slash Patreon. And we're going to go ahead and get it kicked off with quarterback here. Matty Ice, Mr. Matt Ryan, strapping him back on one more time, once more into the breach. I cannot believe he's still playing in the NFL (laughs) with this team likely going through a rebuild. Uh, There's not a whole lot to say about about my feelings, about, about my personal feelings about Matt Ryan. I'll just sum it up as I'm not really super interested. Well, I mean, they got a new head coach, Arthur Smith, changed over the regime after last year. So uh, it's a new philosophy. Remember the last time, and again, it was Shanahan, but whatever, the last time that they had a new quarterback in Matt or a new system for Matt Ryan, he had previously been a top 10 guy and then he fell out of the top 20 learning the new system. But then once he got it down, he went back to have an MVP year and that was the year they went to the Super Bowl. So I'm saying I would temper my expectations for this year. Also, if you want to just quickly overview the Atlanta Falcons offseason, they were, oh, we're all in. We're going to win with this core. We've got Julio. We've got Calvin Ridley. We've got Matt Ryan. We just need a running back. They draft Kyle Pitts at number four. They make him the highest drafted tight end since the 60s. That's right. Since the 1960s, since before the Super Bowl era. And they're like, oh, we're all in. And then they trade Julio and they don't sign a running back other than Mike Davis. And all of a sudden it's, well, maybe this is a rebuild. And why (laughs) didn't you take a quarterback at number four? And what is going on here? But it's uh, a very confusing, confusing offseason. Like Matt laid out. the, The biggest thing here is Matt Ryan. He's only 36, which in quarterback years, he's still got like four or five years left in theory. And he's making so much money, it would have been impossible to get out of that contract. So I never understood the concept of we're going to just get rid of Matt Ryan this year because that's not possible. Like no one is going to trade for that contract and they couldn't afford to cut him. It's interesting because looking into the into the crystal ball. Uh, it's probably going to be the same thing next year. He's still got this year yeah, on that deal just, and it's next year. too much money. It's a lot of money they're paying him, still coming off that Super Bowl contract they gave him. 
yeah, it just th- there's no way that they can get out of it. So it's still going to be the Matt Ryan show, which which is why it made the most sense to me for them to take a young QB uh, like Trey Lance, who wasn't ready and could just sit behind Matt Ryan for a while uh, and just kind of like learn. But I, I don't know. Instead, they go with pits. They they apparently are, are on this. He's got two more years after this year on that deal for Matt Ryan. So there's no, they can't afford to get out of this until at least 2023. So it's the Matt Ryan show for a while. I don't know what they're going to do going forward, but that's the Atlanta Falcons. That's the overview of the Atlanta Falcons and their off season. So from a fantasy perspective, Matt Ryan, that defense is atrocious. And we mentioned it briefly on the Arizona show where you've got guys like, oh, well, they're still on a good team, but they're going to put up fantasy points because they can run. Whereas this is more of a Blake Bortles situation, where he's just going to throw the ball so much because they're going to be losing so many games that, uh, yeah, it's just he's going to put up a ton of yards by default. There's just nothing you could do about it. He had he's the issue there is is you know the reason why you cap your expectations. Normally that sounds like something you'd want to invest in as a fantasy player. Except similar to Blake Bortles, there's also going yeah. to be a ton of turnovers. Well, that's why I made the Blake Bortles it. comp. Like yeah. yeah, he's gonna give you the yardage and default to giving you points, but there's a cap on it. Like you could think Jameis Winston too, but Jameis Winston finished as a top five guy his last year with Tampa when he went 30 and 30. And that that's not going to happen here. Like Matt Ryan doesn't turn the ball over that much. He's actually extremely efficient with the ball, but even still, he's not going to have the touchdown production and the overall yardage you would need to have him catapult into the top 10. We're going to, you're going to hear us through these episodes, talk a lot about the Konami code, the, the guys at quarterback who can run and pass the guys who just stand in the pocket, like a statue, like Matt Ryan, they are dying out of this league and they are few and far between in the top 10. They're all 30. They're value. all, they're all 36, 38, 40. Yeah. Like, like, like the left. guys, the guys who are statue QBs that don't really get you the rushing yards that are still in the top 10 are like Mahomes who runs a little bit, but he's not as athletic as you may believe. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, and then Tom Brady and Ryan Tannehill are kind of in that same vein. But even Tannehill will get out of the pocket and scramble every once in a while. Matt Ryan's kind of the back end of that. You're not going to get Matt Ryan in the top 10 this year. It's just, it's not possible. So he's one of these guys that if you want to wait on quarterback, yeah, I can take Matt Ryan and have a safe floor. I know there's no ceiling there. Like, I just, I my ceiling is top 10, or my ceiling is number 10. Not yeah, your ceiling, 10, your ceiling 10. is legitimately 10. It's I have him yeah. at 14. And my floor is probably like 18. Right, which is why I have him at 14. Yeah, Because I think he finishes straight in the middle because yep. of that, where it's like, when it's all said and done, he's going to have probably a couple top 10 weeks where he'll go off and Calvin Ridley will put on a show for you or Kyle Pitts will catch three touchdowns or some nonsense will happen. It's the NFL. Weird stuff happens every year. But overall, it's going to be enough struggles for them because of how I cannot stress to you how bad that defense is going to be. Yeah. Like it's going to be completely atrocious. So it'll look good on paper for you where it's like, Oh, he'll be out there. Look at him go. And it's not always going to be successful. Well, so 
in redraft two right now, Matt Ryan is going ADP at QB 15 in best ball on underdog. He's going QB 17 in the ECR. He's ranked at QB 14. Like that's right in the range. He's going to be, if you want Matt Ryan real bad, you can have him. Yep. He's, he's yours whenever you want him. If I'm My- punting and waiting on quarterback, I'm looking for a guy like Burrow or Trevor Lawrence who's in the same range right now as Matt Ryan, but they have an upside and ceiling to be a top five guy where Ryan does not. Right. So Ryan is a perfect, like, I need, I just need something from my quarterback type of guy. He'll get you something. So that's, that's kind of why he's going to tear off in that range. So Matt Ryan, basically what we're telling you as a show and as a site, temper your expectations mid tier at quarterback at this point, but he will be your Atlanta Falcon quarterback for quite the while here. So, and AJ McCarron is the backup QB. So he has no threat to sit down. And if he gets hurt and it becomes AJ McCarron, then downgrade everybody. Yes. hundred percent on that. So no, that's, that's really it as far as the quarterback room. So I think at this point we might as well just pivot directly into what matters, right? Like we did on the last show. Let's just talk about, Let's just talk. Let's just get the elephant in the room addressed. Let's just talk about Calvin Ridley real well, quick. I yeah. Th- again, just like the last show, there's going to be real quick here, right? It like is real Cal- quick. Calvin Ridley is a top five guy pretty easily mm-hmm. for me. I believe for you as well. Yes. Uh, the ECR has him right at five. He's a step ahead of Justin Jefferson. So that should tell you everything that you need to know about how the general <laughs> public feels about <laughs> About Calvin Ridley. And also uh, Justin Jefferson, too, as a, as an yeah. aside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in currently redraft PPR ADP, according to our guys at Fantasy Pros, he is going at wide receiver six. But again, same tier. Yep. DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley. They are essentially interchangeable, according to the general public and the expert consensus. And I would generally agree with that like mostly there's a, I got a, there's couple, a lot of depth at wide receiver i got a couple questions on that dk metcalf thing but other than that uh like I, i'm i'm on board well like i talked about last show um deandre hopkins and my tier of three at tier one to me four through 12 is my next tier like yeah. i have all those guys lumped together from justin jefferson at four all the way down to DK Metcalf at 12. Like any of those guys I'm fine with as my wide receiver one and Calvin Ridley falls into that group. So I'm I'm perfectly fine with any of that. Do I think that he's going to set the world on fire this year and be the wide receiver one? No, I don't. Do I think he can ascend into that top tier with those other guys? No, I don't either. But I think he's still going to have a good season and I think he's still going to be a wide receiver one. I I couldn't really sum that up any better. Uh, You'd love it if Calvin Ridley was your wide receiver one on your team. He's firmly in that second tier of of wide receiver who is borderline. If he was your wide receiver two and you stacked wide receiver, you love your life, right? You're going to be completely stacked and jacked. Uh, And just he can't. The other things going on in Atlanta, as we've already kind of detailed, prevent him from being able to ascend into that top three, according to my belief on the matter and my rankings. So, well, and that's the thing too. Like once you get past Hopkins looking at the, the ADP right now, as again, it's end of July. So who knows, but just as of right now, Calvin Ridley, if you would want Calvin Ridley, you have to pay up for a top end of the second round pick. He's going at number 19 overall currently. Whereas, 
Allen Robinson, a guy we'll talk about in a few episodes, is a guy I have in that same tier of wide receivers that I'd love to have as my wide receiver one, and you can get him at the end of the third round. That That's the range you're talking about at wide receiver. There's a ton of depth. There's a ton of talent. I don't feel the need to go out and overpay to have a Calvin Ridley as my wide receiver one. But if I can get him at a, a decent value, I absolutely would do it. Yeah, that's exactly the way I think you want to play a wide receiver this year, where there's just so much depth at that position. Look at how yeah. big that second tier is, right? And there's so mm-hmm. much variance within it that if you're, I think the general philosophy that I would impart to people for this year is if you can get one of the big three, do it. If, you, if you're going to get one of these other guys as your, as your wide receiver one, you might be incentivized to look at what else is on the board and see what's available to you before you pull the trigger on it. Because there's a chance that one of those guys will likely fall. So it just yeah. depends on where you're at. So just keep your head on a swivel when you're in the draft this year. But no, Calvin Ridley, we're expecting big things. And I think, you know, if you if you wanted to pay at, at overall 19, I'd say it's probably a little rich, but I'm not going to like, I'm not scratching my head at it. I totally but get it's, it. It's the same thing as Arizona, because now the discussion is number two. Right. Right. Because with Julio gone, we've got Russell Gage on the website projected for 94 targets. And again, all you have to do, go sign up for the MVP tier, get access to all of our projections. You can download them. You can use them all however you want. You can use the fantasy stat book. It's all there for you on importantnonsense.com. But Russell Gage right now is our guy who's the number two, clear cut number two above Olamide Zacchaeus or Christian Blake or even Tajay Sharp. Like he is the number two option in this offense. Remember that window last year of like five weeks when Russell Gage was a top 12 wide receiver. I do. Uh, he was beating out Julio Jones. Oh, those glorious times. But again, it's the same deal here. Like Russell Gage is a guy that I think is going to have a good season. He, he has a legitimate shot to break out because he's going to get the opportunity in this offense. We've seen the talent be there. Um, it's just a matter of can he stay on the field and is he someone that you can target later in drafts that you're you're comfortable with on your roster? Well, and that's that's kind of the that's kind of the hitching point of all this too, because historically they've had they kind of moved Julio Jones, who you, you know, traditionally played on the outside. Mm-hmm. And they also had, you know, Ridley on the other side playing on the outside, but then periodically they would move Ridley inside. They used to do the same thing with Julio Jones when he was younger on on previous iterations of the Falcons. That's it's going to look a little different because it's a different head coach, right? So we have to yeah. imagine that they might deploy a little bit differently, especially because do you think Russell Gage is going to play on the outside? This is where it gets a little murky with the Falcons as far as personnel for me. I agree that Russell Gage is something you want to target in drafts. He's going to be somewhere in the wide receiver forty five kind of range. You know what I mean? That's about the jumping off point, I think for something like that. And I think at that price, you've got some upside on it. So it's, it's, it's worth investing in, but I do have questions about this when you get to the next thing, which is Kyle Pitts, who I, we would, we're, we're kind of speculating here, but the general logic seems to be that Pitts is going to get detached from the line and play like more of a move tight end type of deal out there running routes. But that means that Gage usually played in the slot typically. So what they're going to be three Y to get gauge on the field, or is gauge going to be on the X on the other side, taking over where Julio would periodically go. It's murky in my mind about how they're going to do that. So it makes me, it gives me pause 
I, I start to have questions about anything on this team that isn't Calvin Ridley. I know what that is, and I'm worth, and it's, and it's to a, to a large extent worth paying for it because I, because of that certainty and the talent of the player in question. Russell Gage is on that page because the opportunity we've seen it before, and if he can stay healthy, you know, we can see the upside. And for right now, the cost to invest in something like that is pretty low, given where his ADP is. So it's worth it. But then what about like Kyle Pitts? What, what, do you have any insight for me on any of this? Because I'm, this is one of those things that I just don't think we know have enough information. Right. And, and I agree with you. I think last year, what ended up happening was um, we were, we were seeing a lot of Russell Gage on the outside because of Julio being hurt most of the year. Um, and he was rotating into the slot, but we were also getting a bunch of Olamide Zacchaeus, which is why he's getting some love here as potentially the other outside guy. I feel like it's much more likely that they are going to put Gage on the outside and then move uh, Kyle Pitts into the slot, which is why I believe, in my opinion, Hayden Hurst is probably the biggest winner here of the Julio Jones trade. I think instead of... Hayden Hurst all of a sudden losing his job entirely to Kyle Pitts. He actually still keeps his tight end job and Kyle Pitts just becomes a gigantic slot receiver. Uh, and they play a lot of two tight end sets with Russell Gage as the other wide receiver on the outside. So based on our projections, we have Russell Gage top 50 in the ECR. He's 56. Uh, current ADP is in line with that right at 56. So yeah. if Again, you're you're not really overpaying to grab him. You're grabbing him right in line with everything else. He's an upside guy who could be the number two. I think the more interesting question when we talk about these number two guys and these backup players is what happens if player X goes down? Mm -hmm. So if Calvin Ridley all of a sudden gets hurt, does Russell Gage elevate to be the number one guy? He would theoretically have to be the number one receiver, but then how does he handle number one coverage? That's the yeah, thing we've right. never seen. I don't know how, I don't know. Uh, to me, that may actually, he'll get more targets theoretically, but I would think that would probably go to Pitts. You'd incorporate more Hayden Hurst, even more. I, I feel like Russell Gage is a guy that has a limited ceiling. Sure, sure. Because it, it, when you account for the fact that if they're going to start rotating for him, but I guess the counter argument to that hypothetical scenario is what if by that point, it's it's all, that's that's very interesting because what you could do is talk about that on any given timeline, right? Yeah. What if you're talking about that at some point where Kyle Pitts has got his feet under him a little bit in the NFL and he's lighting, lighting the lamp in a way that nobody's ever seen before. It's hard for me to want to predict that that's going to happen, but it's a theoretical possibility. So you end up with a situation where Kyle Pitts is out there and there he's the one who actually gets the, the increased, the, the second, the shadow effectively, they put a safety on him or something like that to try and do like, what they would try to do to bracket Travis Kelsey in certain situations. Yeah. It's theoretically possible. And in that scenario, then Russell Gage, it's probably fine, but it's still going to be a downgrade because he's going to be running against the one corner. So no, I, I, I'll just put it this way. I'd be fine with Russell Gage, Gage around like wide receiver 50, where he's going wide receiver 56, even possibly a little higher, depending on how you feel about that. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, too, I wouldn't go any higher than that. You know what I mean? I'm not going to yeah. take him above like let's call it wide receiver 45 and Olamide Zacchaeus I'm just not really interested in I view him as a guy that's like it's a name you need to know mm -hmm. but I'm not drafting Olamide Zacchaeus there's no I reason think, to do that I think it'll depend we'll see because if if we're wrong on this with our projection here and we end up that 
Zacchaeus is the guy locked in on the outside. Well, all of a sudden that cuts Russell Gage's snaps in half. Right, it does. And it gives Zacchaeus, he has at least more of a ceiling because then it's the same deal. He potentially could be the number one. I think him and Gage in our projections and rankings probably flip-flop. They might, but but like, but as it sits right now, I'm I'm saying as with the information I have in front of me today. Yeah, Olamide no, is a as of right now. Bad. No, I don't want any part of. Yeah, him. he's one of those guys I can pick up for free. Exactly. Off of waivers later on. He's one of those guys that we're going to be examining a lot in the preseason. How do how do they incorporate him in the offense? How does he actually look and is performing? Is this someone we should be targeting super late? But as of right now, no. And, and then so, we already we already kind of talked about Pitts and Hurst. I kind of kind of have to to talk about their wide receiver <laughs> yeah. room. It's kind of frustrating it's, like that. Yeah, it just went off on a weird tangent there. So we can kind of gloss over that. I think the biggest thing with that is how high mind, do you want to take Kyle Pitts? I think is the yes, real conversation there. The uh, the the best rookie tight end season ever was Evan Ingram. And granted, yep. Kyle Pitts is a freak of nature. They're going to yes. use him as a wide receiver. I said it on our draft show. I think. Kyle Pitts was the pure best pure pass catcher in the draft, regardless of position, even better than Jamar Chase. Like he's the he was the best wide receiver available on the board, and you took him as a tight end. If they're using him in the slot, I feel like that's going to be very interesting to see how fantasy sites will adjust and adapt to that if they'll continue to keep him as a tight end or force him into a wide receiver role because it's all about snap percentage. But that'll be a problem for next year. For this year, at least, tight end, best rookie tight end ever was Evan Ingram. We all know how that show has gone. And even then, he finished, I think, as number six or seven. So he didn't even yes. get to top five. I know that much for sure. And right now, Kyle Pitts is going at tight end four. Yeah. In That's what I want. To, this is what I want to address because He's I the cannot guy going condone. after the big three. I, I you set it up perfectly because I cannot condone this behavior, Steve. This mm -hmm. is my main point on this topic. That is way too high, folks. That is way too high. Also, T.J. Hawkinson would like a word. Yeah. Um, that is ridiculous. To just put it bluntly, um, Kyle Pitts should not be going much higher than about tight end eight. So over the last two weeks, uh, Kyle Pitts is actually going four spots behind Mark Andrews who is the number four tight end off the, but he's still going five spots ahead of TJ Hawkinson. And that's the way that ADP is kind of going for uh, like that tier. Essentially you have Kelsey going in the first round. You have Waller Kittle going back end second top end of the third. And then you have Andrews Pitts and Hawkinson going in that next wave in like the fifth and sixth round, which is high high for a tight end. If I don't get one of those top three guys, I still punt the position and don't really care. If I can get TJ Hawkinson at a value, I will take it. But otherwise I'm not interested in overpaying, especially when you're talking about a rookie tight end who we've never seen a rookie have the season you'd have to have to justify that pick. Yep. And you're just, you're paying at his ceiling. Really? You're, you're buying into some hype here and you're overpaying. There's no reason that Kyle Pitts should be going in front of like TJ Hawkinson and Mark Andrews. And, and we guys all know like that, that, you know, seen. underdog is best ball. It's pure lunacy, but he's going at tight end four. Yeah. 46. Overall. Even in best. Yeah. No, it's just, it's way too high. And I understand we've carefully laid out the turmoil that is everything that isn't Calvin Ridley. So I get it to a certain extent, but it's too high. You, people need to kind of back off that. I think that's kind of how you could really 
screw up your whole team, to be honest. Right. Investing that much capital that early in a tight end like that you've never it's it just screams bad idea and overpay. So d- if you take away nothing else from the Falcons show that we're putting together for you here, don't do that. Yeah. Whatever else you do, don't do that. That's that's not going to be a prudent way to to long term build your team for success. And then really what's interesting is there's not much else to talk about except for the running back room. Well, I was going to say like the deep is trash. Young kicker is kicker. Kicker is kicker. Yeah. They signed Mike Davis, who, if you remember, paid attention to last year, Mike Davis was the next man up when Christian McCaffrey got hurt. And he was a top 10 back for about four weeks there Yep. and then fell off the face of the earth. But even after his top 10 performances, Mike Davis was still a usable RB2 slash flex for most of the second half of the season when Christian McCaffrey missed time. So it's not like he was completely dead, but now he's going to be the guy. Like they have JV and Hawkins, who is an undrafted free agent uh, rookie this year. They have Quadre Olison, who is a holdover from last year, but wasn't very good. There's a reason that they, they held him over and they went out and got other guys. They There's signed- also... The reason they got rid of, I was going to say, there's a reason they got rid of Edo Smith in the offseason. Yeah, because he wasn't um, good. They didn't yeah. re-sign Todd Gurley. They signed Corderell Patterson, who is a wide receiver pretending and cosplaying as a running back. But he's he's still there. He's still going to get carries. He's probably the pass-catching back, I guess, out of that backfield. But I, It depends how they deploy him is another interesting little wrinkle there. Because, you know, when he was playing with Belichick, they just had him running up the middle. Yeah. And it was really weird. And then in other points in his career, yes, he's the sprint running back, the pass catching running back, the guy they want to get in space. Because we've all seen what Cordero Patterson can do, even at, even at this stage in his career with, in open space with the ball in yeah. his hand. So I think like the biggest thing is Mike Davis is one of those guys that, yeah, you don't love it. But if you've been punting tight end, or uh, I'm sorry, punting running back, then yeah, I mean, look at Mike Davis, RB25 in the ECR. When you're looking at his current ADP, you're talking about running back 23. So it's generally close. But even then, our numbers still have him as a top 24 guy. He's going to get the work. He's going to catch passes. He's going to be usable. He's part of that tier of, I waited too long to get my RB2. <laughs> so now I guess I'll have to take somebody. <laughs> it's a very, he should just have that on his jersey. Yeah. That's that's so accurate. Um, yeah, he's, the, he's he's four. He's he's outside of that. Oh man, I feel comfortable about these guys. And if Mike Davis is one of those guys where if you waited long enough that he's your RB one, punt the position. Just yes, give up. just be just, done. But just he take will. some long shots at the end of the draft. By our numbers and by my rankings, he is the literal. He's like the literal back end of RB two. So mm-hmm. if you got if he's your second running back, you I think you got the the very last train basically out of the station on running back too. But I agree with the point you just made. If, if that's your RB one, just, just, just punt it. Just yeah. get, get loaded everywhere else. Cause you're going to have problems. You're going to struggle with that position all year. If I can get Mike Davis. If I'm getting Mike Davis, let me say that as my RB one, then based on his ADP, based on where he's going and like the lack of hype there is around him, Like right now he's going at 52 overall. So you're basically talking about like the mid to the back end of the fifth round. If I'm getting Mike Davis as my RB one, then theoretically I should be dominant at wide receiver 
or maybe have a top or you have one of the top tight ends i'm thinking you might have one of the top tight ends yeah but i should be so good at my other skill positions that i just need warm bodies to put in my two rb slots every week and mike davis is definitely a warm body yeah he's just above flex running back he's just out just better than that just barely better than flex running back he's one of those guys where if you're taking mike davis to be a starting running back for you on a weekly david or a weekly basis he'll be fine but you're going to have to reach on a Michael Carter. You're going to have to reach on Damian Harris. You're going to have to reach on Trey Sermon. You're going to have to reach on Tony Pollard, somebody that you hope is going to pop off and all of a sudden be a better starter than what Mike Davis has given you. Sure. Or you're going to have to be prepared uh, mentally. You're going to probably have to do that and be prepared mentally for the idea that at some point you're going to spend a large portion of your fab budget on a prospect running back. Sure. That's yeah, probably going to both James of those, Robinson, things, yeah. those, those things are going to happen. That's, yeah. that's where you're at. And, uh, but if you're dominant enough throughout the year, you might be able to pull some creative trade magic as I'm always want to talk about and actually ship off something to get useful running back, uh, yeah. down the line. That's if you're that loaded at skill position, that's always an option for you. So that could be, that would probably be my mindset. It's like, well, I know at some point, this is how my roster looks now, but it's not going to be by the end of the year. But frankly, at this point, that's really it. That's the Falcons, folks. Wraps it up. We're not really going to talk about Javen Hawkins. I know the internet's going to be furious, but if you want to, don't overpay for that either. That's really it. That's, no, yeah. not that's what I was saying. Like Javian Hawkins, uh, to me, is the RB2. And he's one of those guys that's going to benefit from us seeing in the preseason. Yeah. You know, what does he look like? Is he understanding the offense? How good does he look? Because they, honestly, someone's going to be a scat back for them. We think it's Corderell Patterson, but I think Hawkins is more likely to get that role. If he can be the change of pace backup over Quadre Olison, he has some waiver value when we get into the season, but I don't think any of the guys behind Mike Davis are worth rostering in your draft. I'd say that's, that sums it up right there. So there you go, folks. The Atlanta Falcons for the 2021 NFL season. What a match. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!